Welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode seven. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today, we will be discussing episode seven to nine of The Devil is a Part-Timer, Hataraku Mao-sama. But before we get into that, uh, I'm Vicky, the host for today, and joining me is Lawrence. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. It's, uh, doing well. Yeah, it's uh, finally getting a bit warmer out here. I got the it is. window open. You might hear some, some friendly seagulls. So <laughs> add some add some ambiance to uh, the recordings. Always uh, welcome. <laughs> yeah, love love those critters. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> saying that for my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you been up to the past couple of weeks? Um. Ah, well, yeah. Well, besides uh, loving my uh, feathered friends, uh, I've just uh, been I've been uh, chilling pretty pretty hard. So I. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I realize I, I always appear to be chilling, but uh, this <laughs> this time I have been a, a extra chill because I've had some time off of work. Nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a wonderful period. I'm I'm back now, uh, but I had a like a chunk of twelve days off just because I felt like days. it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Damn, <laughs> yeah, it's what you know. It's um. It's 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 the kind of length where you sort of get accustomed to the idea of not doing anything and getting paid for it anyway, and uh, unfortunately it, it cannot continue. It cannot uh, yeah. cannot be sustained by the the, the wonderful uh, society that we've established uh, and that we have to live in. Uh, thanks, the Joker. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your trick, Joker. <laughs> Uh, Take a bow. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to report that I, uh, I packed uh, my time off with uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of indoor chilling, including uh, some uh, viewing of uh, various animes and uh, film, film media. Uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of live action shit. The, the, the pendulum sort of like uh, swung towards uh, watching real people do. Uh, real shits on on the screen. Um, Any particular highlights? <laughs> <in that? laughs> uh, oh, they're, they're all highlights. <laughs> uh, they're they're all highlights uh, when it comes to Scarlett Johansson. Um, uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a while ago when I, like I I watched a uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex like like uh, a couple a couple months ago a month and a half ago or so and I was like I would like some more Ghost in the Shell but bad but bad yeah. bad and racist <laughs> you went to the right place <laughs> yeah yeah no that that paid off uh, this I, one they made earlier 
This is uh, the Ghost in the Shell 2017 uh, featuring uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. We, I, I think we've, uh, we've discussed it plenty, uh, but have, uh, yeah. suffice it to say, it's bad and uh, and awful and uh, harmful <laughs> to, yeah. to to people who aren't Scarlett Johansson. It was uh, a mistake. It was yeah, for real, for real. Uh, but it's sort of like set me down this road of uh, Scarlett Johansson films uh, <laughs> for some reason. Um, I, I remembered I hadn't seen Lucy, and that was like a film I really wanted to watch uh, uh-huh. back in 2013, which feels like fucking a, a decade ago, which it almost is. Yeah. Um, which rocks. <laughs> that was... Yeah. That was fun pretty, baby. yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, like, uh, it continued the pattern of, like, uh, harmful stereotypes of Asian folks, <laughs> but uh, it was a, a lot, lot more enjoyable overall, and uh, it was anime as shit. Uh, I don't want to, yeah. no, I don't want to spoil it for, for anybody, but it was uh, a, a lot of fun, worth watching if you're, if you're into the maze. Um, and I, I rounded off um, the the ScarJo season with uh, Under the Skin, um, which was uh, also pretty good. It was it was that was an all right film, kind of a a, a shallow experience, like a, a, a visually kind of like a, a captivating uh, kind of thing. Like I I, I described. Uh, described it for you before briefly I think it's like directed by the guy yeah. who did the, the Karma Police video and the, uh-huh. <laughs> the Rabbit in the Headlines video and yeah, like uh, yeah right those are like uh, classics Great from video. from from back in the day back uh, back when back when MTV used to play music video <laughs> you remember that I do remember that <laughs> maybe, maybe not <laughs> Remember MTV2 used to play music. Yeah, yeah. Shout outs to, to MTV2 uh, for for populating the um, 350 megabits like uh, MP3 players uh, on a yes. on a keychain. Um, yes. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> I assume we're in, but I don't know if MTV2 still a thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I have no fucking idea what if MTV, whether it exists or not, and it's Schrodinger's channel to me. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Under the Skin, uh, dope film. Yeah, it, it like it like posits some some challenging ideas um, surrounding um, uh, you, you know challenging topics uh, such as like uh, assaults, uh, assault of the, the sexual kinds uh, mainly, uh, like uh, the gender politics uh, in, involved in that. Uh, but it didn't have like anything. Um, uh, I, I was gonna say it didn't have anything groundbreaking to say. It didn't have very, very much to say, say at all, other than like uh, right. trying to portray like uh, this, uh, this challenging subject in sort of a, a stylized fashion with like uh, this uh, uh, sex symbol at the helm and like uh, a bunch of uh, unfortunate uh, Scottish blokes uh, sort of uh, lured into ScarJo's uh, spider web. 
and um, then it does just this weird reversal in the middle of the film that like uh, uh, really sort of like drains the entire movie of its energy and like uh, right. any of its like uh, uh, positive uh, fun kind of like uh, uh, associations you could make Cause it could very well be like it could have been like a, a, a nice sort of like in in the style of like a horror rape revenge type type thing like an uh, I spit yeah. on your grave but like like more uh, <laughs> more MTV2 I suppose rather, <laughs> rather than Splatterhouse you know yeah. it's like a I spit on your grave by the karma police guy is, is what it could have been, but right. it, it turns into something something less than that, something less enjoyable. Um, um, it's not good, that part. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's still worth a watch just to like uh, just to uh, uh, challenge your, your, yourself with the uh, the questions that it asks poorly, and to to come to your your own conclusions. It uh, it like uh, makes some some allusions towards like uh, the the immigrant experience again, like uh, okay. sort of posing uh, Scarlett Johansson's uh, lily white ass in the middle of uh, Scotland as as being uh, a sort of a, a foreigner and an outsider. Um, sort of uh, um, forced into a, a difficult position uh, that uh, causes her to make regrettable choices at, at, at points. Um, and that could have been an interesting film, but uh, yeah, you, you got to give it a try, <laughs> I suppose. Sure, uh, yeah. Something, interested, yeah. definitely. Film worth talking about, I guess. It's uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, and it's uh, just been on a, a Scar Joe journey. Uh, I, I I thought it was over, but when I finished watching Under the Skin, I was like, "Oh shit, Marriage Story exists," <laughs> and I'd actually quite like to see that just just to be able to catch up on the memes from like two years ago. Right, yeah. uh, and that's the only reason. Um, yeah. So you watched Marriage Story? No, no, that, that's that's Not coming yet. up <laughs> next. I'm gonna watch that tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, I've been, been gaming, I've been watching some samurai films, uh, nice. uh, Gundam Wing, uh, Space Runaway, Ideon, uh, all, all, all greats, <laughs> a good, good time, uh, but, but, but yeah, I don't want to go too long. Uh, it, instead, how about you tell me what you've been up to this, uh, since we last recorded? Um, well, as you know, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm in the middle of the, the Tournament of Power Arc. I won't talk too much about it, because even though I'm sure most people have already seen all the Super, I know you haven't. Um, I am not not enjoying it, uh, but I'm also not like loving it or anything. Ah. Um, it's nostalgic. Dragon Ball characters are nostalgic for me, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if I get that joy or excitement from Super. We'll have to see. I'm sure it gets better in places. Or I've heard it does. Here's something I'm curious about, actually. Like, uh, who who do you watch uh, Super for? Like, do, do you watch it for, for Goku? Or, like, do you watch it for the, 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 the fights? Uh, like, what, what's the thing that, that draws you to, to, to Dragon Ball, like, in, in general? Like, I think uh, it was always, like, the stories and the arcs uh, 
and Vegeta and Bulma. It was sagas, um, right? Yeah. The sagas, yeah. Um, they were always like really well constructed, and they often had like two. A- apart from the Majin Buu saga, I guess they they would the main ones would have two sections. So like the Saiyan saga really flows nicely into the Namek saga, mm. um, and they have like a connecting incident. Uh, and the same with like the Android saga and the Cell saga, they flow together really nicely. You're watching two sagas, but it feels like you're watching one. Yeah. Um, and the character development throughout the show is just so excellent. Uh, mm. I really haven't felt much character development in Super. Uh, I definitely don't watch the show for Goku. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. I but hear it's that. like the, the other characters, like Android 17 and 18, are really cool in the Tournament of Power Arc. Uh, they're really fun to watch. It's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I just I was just wondering that my, myself as well. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, did, did you ever watch Dragon Ball for Goku? Like, uh, that's a that's a big fat no. Uh, <laughs> Like, but 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 yeah, you know, that's a that's a, a really good point. Like, I guess those those stories they really felt like fucking sagas, like uh, like epic, like uh, stretching like uh, storylines, like a uh, uh, tales, epic epic poetry. Dare I say? Exactly. <laughs> fucking Homeric, like uh, you know, I w- watched those as a kid, and you're like, uh, wow, this 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 shit just it never ends. It goes on and on. It's a uh, I mean, in, in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the best way possible, it does go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back when you were, like, uh, less sensitive to filler, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there was, like, at the end of the Namek saga, Freezer's like, the planet will explode in five minutes, and then, like, ten, thirty-minute episodes later, it finally explodes or whatever. Brilliant, yeah, it's fucking <laughs> time compression. It's like yeah. a... As in introducing like a whole host of eleven-year-olds to like uh, and a subjective experience of time, <laughs> it's very important. absolutely it's meaningless. <laughs> like trained us for <laughs> trained us for uh, fucking lockdown. Yeah, that's true. I was gonna ask if Owl was still going. Yeah, I watched League still going on. There was like the May Melee tournament, which I think we discussed uh, on our last mm-hmm. episode. Um, there was like a kind of shock winner to that was uh, the Dallas Fuel won that um, they're a really good team this year uh, they beat all of the giants that everyone expected to win um, and they're still looking really good now There's like the next tournament is going to be the June Joust I don't know exactly when it is, I assume sometime in June mm-hmm. um, and there's like a hero pools in this tournament so uh, Tracer and Sombra Reinhardt and Zenyata, I believe, are out of rotation and can't be played. Oh, um, rip to Zenny. So the meta has changed up a little bit. Yeah, rip to Zenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does mean we get to see a little bit of Soldier 76. Uh, oh, that's rare, my boy. A, a treat, yeah. Hell yeah. The legs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's still going on. I hope they can keep up the uh, alliterative names for, for the tournaments. Yeah, I, I bet they won't. I really uh, <laughs> do <laughs> May Melee, June Joust, and then July Joust. July, <laughs> <laughs> July fights. Uh, <laughs> one, one more thing. Hell yeah. Uh, I've been rewatching Paranoia Agent. Oh, yeah! Uh, which is, yeah, it's Satoshi Kon's animated series. Uh, really, really good. 
can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's just so amazingly put together, so creepy and atmospheric. Uh, so no great. doubt, absolutely. And shocking. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a few episodes into that. I just like really felt like watching it again. Yeah, no, I I love that show. That is like uh, just a, a a stone cold classic and an absolute favorite for me. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I watched it once as a, as a teen. I was like. Uh, blown the fuck away and then uh, I watched it a second time in like uh, 11 years ago in the, in the year 2010 um, yeah uh, so I, I think I'm due a rewatch as well I think yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like that I think you are hell yeah I, I might check that out again yeah it's got like um, some some real mind bending shit including nice. a sequence that uh, could be uh, considered an isekai wouldn't you think I can't think of a sequence you no, or maybe oh, yes. maybe you haven't. Oh yeah, no, totally with the cops. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're yeah. Totally right. <laughs> yeah, well, that that can be argued, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we can get into but, that uh, in a later episode. Yeah, it it does it does so many interesting things with like uh, mm-hmm. uh, fiction and, and fictionality and like uh, uh, real versus the imagined and like a yes. very Lacanian kind of uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I fucking, I, I rock with that. I, I fucking, I fucking like that show. Before we get on to our episode summary, let's again revisit some of our established definitions for isekai. So, the definition that we've been going by and that we've been expanding upon throughout these episodes goes something like... Isekai is a genre of light novels, manga, anime, and video games that revolve around a normal human person from Earth being displaced, transported to, reborn, or otherwise trapped in a parallel universe, fantasy world, or virtual world, where they must adapt and or assimilate into this new world along with its new rules, cultures, and philosophies. The differences between reincarnation in another world and transfer to another world are as follows. Reincarnation in another world. A work in which the main character died once in the original world and has been reborn as a different person into a different world, such as Hamafura, which uh, was the subject of our first few episodes. Transfer to another world, a work in which the main character moves to a different world in some way, movement, summoning, possession, etc. Like The Devil is a Part-Timer, which we're discussing today. And uh, we added something to our definition last week from some of your research, Lawrence. Uh, where, broadly speaking, the following major characteristics from most to least important define the isekai theme. Number one, the characters are trapped in a new world that is not the one they lived in up to then. This new world is usually unknown to them, at least in part, but that's not strictly mandatory. Generally speaking, while exceptions may apply, pure time travel does not qualify. There must be a change of location. Number two, trapping is, at least initially, permanent. There must be no quick and easy escape route back to their home world. A known way back may exist from the outset, but it requires effort such as clearing the hundredth floor of a difficult dungeon or defeating the demon lord. Alternatively, it may be eventually found or developed. And number three, the transfer to the isekai world was not intentional on the part of those being transferred. For example, it may have been orchestrated by a third party, malicious or otherwise, and it may have been an accident, and the universe itself could be the actor responsible. (laughs) 
one more thing before our episode summary is this an isekai uh, this is where we discuss IRL non-anime texts and uh, try and figure out whether or not they are isekai so uh, Lawrence what have you got for us hell yeah uh, I, got a, I got a tricky one for us uh, this week um, this is uh, this is going to uh, be, be a challenge uh, I, I posed this to a couple of friends of ours uh, uh, whilst having some beers and it elicited some some discussion um, so th- this might be our first not an isekai uh, but you tell me tell me what you think uh, when you think about uh, the Truman show uh, 1988 The Truman Show Yeah, The, the, the Truman, Truman Show <laughs> So, uh, Just thinking about that movie uh, I guess Truman probably does go to another world but he, like we never see him there and the show's not about him being there and by another world I mean like the real world because he's like already in a fake world Yeah, that's, 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 that's the crux of the uh, discussion, isn't it? Uh, it's like uh, it kind of stretches the definition of uh, of uh, alternate world or uh, another world because like uh, Truman is at all times on Earth mm-hmm. in like the Milky Way galaxy and like uh, in the <laughs> solar system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but he is like uh, inhabiting a uh, part of Earth that is. Uh, isolated from the rest of the world uh it's not a perfect isolation but he um he sort of uh is assimilated in and uh conducts himself according to uh the particular rules and ethics of like this isolated zone which is like uh you know a, a location that is a uh, um, uh, created and intended for mining entertainment from uh, this this one unfortunate soul, right? Yeah. yeah so can you consider that uh, a, a, a an other world? Uh, I'm not sure. I actually don't know because I mean, thinking about like a you know re- reincarnation in another world versus transfer to another world. Mm-hmm. Are either of those things happening? Um, at any point in the show yeah that, that's another tricky one right because uh i i, I saw this uh, um, last week uh i i think um so truman uh it, it's it's revealed like uh, late in the film and they only like uh expend like a moment on it but like he was born in the real world so to speak yeah, right, um true. but like uh just from the moment he was born from like the time he was a a, a baby they build the enormous studio world and transfer him there like right. while he while he's still a baby i'm probably not even conscious of like uh what was happening so can you can you consider that a transfer also at the end of the film like uh the truman show boat hits the wall in, in in the words of Kanye West, and uh, he he like walks through the the door uh, into the real world, deciding to like uh, leave his like uh, his virtual world behind, right? Return to the real world, I guess. Yeah, so that's that, that there is like a transfer taking place. It's not like a focus of the show. And he's never aware until, like, at the very end that, like, uh, this world is not his own, you know. So, so okay, can it still be considered an isekai? 
I'm not sure. I feel like a big part of Isekai seems to be like the displacement component, or like the character being aware of that displacement. I guess he does become aware of it, doesn't he? Yeah, in 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 or like, a. Or like you said, it's not really the focus of the movie. Yeah, in in a weird kind of way, he does realize that like uh, his his surroundings uh, are um, sort of he's not in step with his surroundings, and that like uh, something something weird is going on, and a world he knew may not be what it what it seemed at first glance. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because I think there are arguments. You've made some compelling arguments, but my gut says no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what that's sort of what it comes down to, isn't it? You know, like uh. Yeah. Huh. I've uh, t- taken a couple uh, more, more brief notes on uh, the Truman Show just to like uh, uh, link them to the, the previous uh, shows that we've uh, discussed in this segment. Well, just just watching it like was was uh, a, a treat. It's a it's a great film. Um, yeah, it's uh, a great. yeah. I I told I I mentioned I watched um, the Wandavision uh, uh-huh, not yeah. too long ago, and like I was halfway through Wandavision, and I was like, hey, the Truman Show was a good film. I should I should rewatch that. And uh, I think it I feel like it has a lot in common with The Matrix as well, in that it's is one of those films that uh, can be uh, like uh, uh, appropriated and like uh, uh, misused by by anyone with uh, whatever agenda um, to sort of uh, <laughs> illustrate like uh, the uh, misguidedness of their uh, 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 political ideological opponents and like uh, that that people need to uh, wake up uh, uh, evolve from 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 sheeple into lions and uh, <laughs> Realize the truth that the Earth is flat. Um, oh man! <laughs> it, it, it goes deep. It it sure does. Uh, the the um, the Truman Show is actually like used by many flat earthers as a kind of a a, a model to uh, sort of demonstrate how the Earth is is possibly flat. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. There's a movie. It, yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, it, it, they sort of bring up the Truman Show and they're like, yeah, no, exactly. The world is like the Truman Show. It's a dome with a, a sun painted in the sky and like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, <laughs> um, uh, another thing about the Truman Show that it shares with WandaVision is that it's sort of like, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and refer to it as an isekai and like a... Uh, uh, I feel it's sort of an isekai, and I kind of want to keep the streak going. Uh, okay. uh, but um, it, it sort of like takes the concept of like the isekai as a sort of a, a prison, as a sort of like purgatorial kind of area. Like in one division, she was like exercising this uh, this uh, her her grief, uh, like living through that, and like uh, this this just grief that she experienced, like it created a uh, world around her. And yeah, Truman is uh, just. A uh, an unfortunate and sort of like a, this is a, a, a absurdist like a, a tragic hero I suppose like a, stuck in his own little like a Sisyphean nightmare in in, in a way and uh, yeah so like uh, it's two little um, and, and the Matrix you could say the same for, for, for that I suppose it's also sort of like a, an imprisonment that they experience when they're in the other worlds 
so yeah, so that's that's interesting to consider how like uh, isekais in in anime sort of are uh, these these liberatory experiences. Like uh, you get yeah. to start start fresh and like uh, gain, gain a harem and special powers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're like trans. So far, they've been like transformative experiences. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, you, you learn and grow and change, and in in like uh, these uh, some of these shows that we've discussed, they're they're more like a uh, uh, presence, like these uh, uh, Hellraiser tests of uh, your sanity. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's sort of what I uh, noticed about uh, the, the Truman Show and some other shows that we discuss, and then. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna land on it. It is an isekai, okay. as I said, just because I, I I want to keep the streak going. <laughs> yeah. He is in sort of a a, a, a different world. He is. And, yeah, that's uh, very true. He's uh, that he wasn't always in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I so I, like I mentioned, I I discussed this with a, a couple of friends over beers. Um, uh, not too long ago, and uh, they all also landed on it not being an isekai. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm the odd one out, and uh, yeah, I'm also not 100% confident about my argument, but... Uh, I guess maybe it's just that, like, Truman grew up in this other world and, like, hasn't known anything different. Yeah. So, like... He does learn, I, I, I guess it's kind of the same with Katerina in uh, Hamafura, right? Like, I guess she got to the age of however old she was when she bumped her head, think, thinking that that was just the world and that not knowing who she was in her previous life or whatever. Yeah. So maybe growing up in the world doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we're going to have to put a, put a question mark uh, behind this one, but... Um, yeah. Uh, you, you say not an isekai. I, I say it, it is an isekai. Um, this is this one's this one's a split. Fifty-fifty. Yeah. 50-50. I'll leave it to you, the, the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Before we move on to uh, the episode summary, uh, I, I was hoping we could uh, do a little bit of a, a discussion around the opening and ending of. Uh, uh, the devil is a part-timer. Sure. So one thing that I've been enjoying a, a great deal about my anime revival, uh, my my anime reawakening, uh, my, my reincarnation, uh, uh, you could call it, is the uh, critical like uh, viewing of um, uh, anime openings and endings, gaining a greater enjoyment from these uh, silly, bouncy, like, anime pop songs and the visuals that they uh, accompany them to uh, because they often reveal a great deal about the, the show that you're watching, about uh, the, the characters. They, uh, they often do, like, a tremendous job of, like, introducing the, the, the core concepts of, like, uh, the characters that you're going to be viewing. Like, in some cases, even, like, revealing elements of the plots 
or like uh, paying homage to um, the manga that inspired them, you know, things like that. And I, I feel like Hataraku Maosama like presents us with like uh, two really neat little music videos that uh, have something to say about uh, the show and especially about uh, Chi-chan, I found. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yeah, so, so well, let's get into it. First of all, I would like to know, uh, do you have a favorite anime opening? Um, that's a good question, because oh, maybe I have a favorite ending, which is like a, the first one for Naruto. Yeah. Uh, with Wind by Akabashi. Uh, as far as openings go, I kind of usually only watch them like once or twice and then skip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really watch them, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that was me for like a, a good long period. But like uh, since uh, getting back into anime during lockdown, I was I've just been like, yeah, you know what? Let's just let's just watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I found like uh, your sort of relationship to the the OP like uh, changes the the more times your eyes are attacked by it. <laughs> like uh, just. Yeah. Just the, the the more often you see it, like uh, is for me, it's it's like I'll watch an OP like uh, once or twice, and you're like, okay, yeah, this song's all right. And by the twelfth time you you've watched it, or the fifteenth time you watch it, it's like uh, it's is just is so deeply embedded in like uh, your consciousness. You go to bed like uh, thinking about it. It's uh, it's it's funny and enriching in some cases, annoying in others. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I think the I I can imagine there there's definitely a, a lot to be gained from watching them, but in a sense that's almost why I don't like watching them because sometimes they have spoilers in them, <laughs> like or they like reveal characters that you don't meet until later in the show or like with the Naruto ones it or especially with Naruto Shippuden it kind of made clear like who which characters were going to be the focus of the arc uh, and maybe even. St- stuff that happens with those characters sometimes yeah. maybe not like super explicitly but i feel like i've been burned by that before so <laughs> maybe maybe with like dragon ball super or something uh, yeah. I, I see all right so uh let, let's talk about uh the, the op for uh hataraku Maosama. this is called zero with uh two exclamation marks as uh, performed by minami kurabayashi yeah this, this is a, a sort of a it's it's um, a, a funny song. It's kind of a uh, pop song. It's uh, upbeat, high energy, uh, as you would expect from like a, an anime opening. But uh, the sort of pop vocals and like synth melodies are uh, complemented by uh, these uh, these heavy metal like chuggy guitars and like uh, it's, uh, a blast beat drums. Did 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 you notice that? Did you like? Uh, uh, I guess it, it took me a second to, to, to register that. To register the, like, metal element of it? Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah, maybe I didn't. I think I, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, because, like, uh, it's not mixed like a metal song. It's mixed like a pop right. song. And, like, uh, it's, it very much has the, the synth lead at the front, but, like, uh, it's, like, it's constantly, like, uh, fucking, it's throwing out some some really heavy riffs, actually, when you listen closely yeah. to it. And uh, I feel like that it's sort of... Uh, 
illustrative of uh, some of the, the visuals that are represented in, in this uh, opening. Um, the uh, sort of contrast between Emmy and Mao, which is uh, sort of visually represented by like a, a sort of uh, colors that uh, dominate their their, their palettes. Uh, Mao is red, Emmy is blue. Uh, we get some scenes of them like um, sort of hustling out of bed, demonstrating how much uh, waking up in the morning sucks. Yeah, so it's like it's got some some good visuals, like uh, nothing too profound. Like uh, you know, it's called the devil is a part timer, and they gotta like uh, wake up and get to their part time job, and like uh, hit the hit the snooze on their alarm. And they're both uh, sort of characterized as klutzes as well. Like uh, Mao sort of like uh, bumps his uh, knee, but then we get to um, a couple of shots of uh, uh, Chiho. <laughs> which is uh, uh, funny in some ways, because like uh, we sort of uh, see Chiho doing some some archery club uh, yeah. activities. I'm, I'm I'm watching it right now, and it's like we've never seen her do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we see like uh, Chiho in, in a school uniform doing some archery club stuff. Uh, when Chiho appears, you get like uh, the background singers. They go like Power of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that came out bad. Uh, well, that's that's another element about this uh, OP that I like a great deal. It's like uh, the the English language uh, backup vocals, uh, yeah. <laughs> including uh, a, a "Get Out of Gates." Get out of gate. Yeah, that's the only bit I remember. <laughs> but that bit alone is very catchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, what is up with Chiho performing some archery here? Could this be a shout out to the light novel, perhaps, is, is what Ooh. I was thinking. Uh, I, I couldn't confirm this, but what I propose is that this might be a sort of an imaginary scenario that uh, Chiho is uh, sort of uh, uh, envisioning for herself. But we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay. So some characters that uh, uh, appear in the, the OP as sort of like quick cuts include uh, Mikiti and uh, the McDonald's manager whose name I uh, forgot. Uh, but, you know, if she appears in the OP, it's uh, very possible that she might have uh, some, some greater significance down the line. But if that's the case, uh, we've got four episodes to, to demonstrate that. Let's... Uh, Let's hustle. Uh, like I said, uh, visually, uh, not too many like wild motifs. Uh, you get some scenes of like uh, Emmy and Mao sort of like in a transition, a, a, a fade transition, as they see their appearance in uh, Ente Isla and uh, their appearances are as they are now in uh, the real world. We also get another unexpected shots of Chiho sitting on her bed crying. About. And hugging a pillow. Yeah. It's it's really incongruous. Like uh, the all of the, the color fades out of these shots. It's like uh, these very dark shots. Uh, whereas all of the the shots that uh, surround this uh, this scene are like a, a lot more colorful, a lot more upbeat. You know, Chio is like having a really rough time, like uh, clutching her yeah. pillow. What what is it she could be sad about? You know. Seems very sad, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, 
and I, I think this is this is kind of important. We get uh, another uh, uh, important uh, shot where we see the Enta Isla gang, uh, the the main characters, uh, so to speak, like sort of standing in a row. Uh, they're in their their Enta Isla forms. They got their their wings out and they've got their their armor and uh, and capes and stuff. Standing, standing in a line in front of a castle, they're all sort of looking back over their shoulders at uh, Chiho, who is like uh, approaching them from the foreground, right? Yeah. yeah, she's running towards them. Yeah, and then there's a little lens flare that happens, and like, uh, and they, everyone's back in Japan, and they're they're back in their uh, normal human forms, and uh, Chiho sort of like joins them, standing in in a line with them. That's, that's sort of how the, the OP plays out. I I wonder. Well, we know who the series is sort of about. The the the, the upcoming three episodes we're about to discuss will uh, uh, just further reinforce who the series is about. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> just judging from this OP, it makes you wonder: Could Chiho be more important than than we're aware of? Like, why is there so yeah, much attention paid to her? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They certainly give her a lot of significance, don't they? I mean, I think if you were to watch the show, not knowing much about it, you might think Chiho was a very important character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just to, to, to get, like, a, a better understanding of, like, uh, what is going on in, in the OP, uh, I decided to, to look up the, the song lyrics and uh, check out their translation as well. So, if you will allow me, I will I will do a a dramatic reading of uh, a zero. Okay. <laughs> Get out of the gates. <laughs> True sky. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, this, <laughs> this moment and this place is the beginning. Let's try to imagine, what are you capable of? Things will happen that you'd never have thought possible. More, we can go even further. Everything is born from zero. Shine bright and get to that sky. I want to flap my wings with everything I have. Keep your very best smile on, and come on, let's go. Now let's take off and fly to worlds yet unknown. It's up to you to decide your own future. When you hear that, when you think about that, like, Mm -hmm. who is this directed to? Like, uh, you know, uh, when animating this uh, this sequence, they, they... might refer to uh, the song for uh, inspiration to correspond with like uh, uh, what's going on on screen. When you look at things like uh, uh, phrases like uh, uh, things will happen that you'd never have thought possible, uh, what are you capable of? Um, I, I feel like it's uh, not speaking to um, uh, Emmy or Mao, who are, are both very much aware of their uh, their their own capabilities and uh, are sort of uh, 
uh, have to uh, readjust in a new world where uh, those capabilities might not matter as much. But uh, they're they're assured, they're fully formed. And they, right, they've yeah. got they've got to start again. That that isn't the case for Chiho. I feel right. another interesting element from the lyrics. I, I thought and the. The, uh, and the phrase everything is uh, born from zero I feel like this is an idea uh, a concept that we're going to see recurring throughout an isekais that, that we watch yeah we're, we're gonna hear that phrase again zero kara um, uh-huh. from, from from zero uh, the, the idea of like uh, starting over starting fresh yeah, yeah. having that a having a new possibility uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be back to that yeah no, that was DLP yeah <laughs> interesting I, I really like I said I I don't really watch DOP every time I watch the show but I obviously have seen it a couple of times I'm watching it again now like mm-hmm. on repeat on YouTube and uh, she really is like a I mean I, I don't want to say she's the only focus of the show but the shots that she's in and the way that she's framed do make her look very significant yeah yeah so um l- l- let's talk about the ED for a moment okay this is this is where it gets real wild uh, because we had like a, a bit of a uh, transformation a bit of a, a change from early episodes yes. And I think it was at episode three or four, or maybe even five, when uh, the yeah. animation that accompanied the ending credits changed. And that's the one I'm going to be talking about. The ending is called uh, Gekka, and this is performed by Nano Ripe. That's a uh, Nano all in lowercase, full stop, and then Ripe <laughs> all in uppercase. And Gekka is uh, written with uh, the kanji for moon and flower, so uh, it sort of translates as a moon flower. Yeah. yeah. And I really like this song. Okay, I, I have to be honest, I haven't listened to this at all. No? No. Oh, no, that's a shame. I I I enjoy this song like uh, quite a bit. I think it's uh, I think it's uh, really really nice, really sweet. It's sort of like a a poppy acoustic ballad with like uh, sing spoken lyrics, you know. I I especially like the the, the voice of the, the the singer because it's not a professional singing voice like in the OP. It's a bit raspy and it strains to hit like the higher registers and um i, I think that gives it like a this uh, um quality of like incohateness uh, incompleteness perhaps even yeah. immaturity <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's the sense that i get and like uh from a thematic perspective it's not necessarily a happy song it's not necessarily a sad song uh it's a song that reminds me of complicated by avril lavigne oh no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah no you should you should totally listen to it it's it's got like uh the same uh, i don't know if it's the same chord progression but like uh the, the sort of uh it's sort of got the same kind of like vocal melody approximately it's uh it's it's very funny i'll like, get it stuck in my head and then suddenly my my brain sort of like changes it to complicated by avril lavigne which is uh, <laughs> uh annoying <laughs> 
Yeah, so usually an animator is sort of just just do whatever for the the ending visuals, right? But this this ending seemed a, a lot more pointed, a lot more interesting to me, and it weren't just like a doing whatever. Uh, there's a lot of a running motif of uh, clocks, uh, sort of ticking down the time. Uh-huh. Just in every shot that a uh, Chiho appears, there is a clock in the background, and like you know, from like a symbolic perspective, can uh, represent uh, uh, many things. But uh, usually, the the first thing that would come to mind uh, is like uh, uh, the forward march of time, like uh, the uh, inevitability of uh, of growing growing older, transitioning from adolescence uh, to to adulthood and and beyond even uh whatever whatever is on the other sides uh, an anime perhaps <laughs> oh god i hope so <laughs> so there so there's like a, a very clear sense of like melancholy and wistfulness that uh runs through this ending like uh when chiho appears she's either sort of like uh, her face is hidden or her eyes are closed and she has a sort of a contemplative look uh, in, in most cases and in uh, some key cases uh, she, she has a, a much more fierce uh, pronounced uh, a gaze uh, we'll get to that and i feel like uh, this ending is also interesting in that it is uh, fan servicey, uh, but yeah. not necessarily in the typical like fan service kind of sense. Uh, is, is 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 what I'm going to argue uh, okay. here. <laughs> like uh, it's it's undeniable. Like uh, some some of the, the the shots used in the ending are like uh, sort of uh, cheesecakey, like pinup fodder. But um, I've been reading I've been reading some books. You see. <laughs> reading theory <laughs> i've been reading this um this book called beautiful fighting girls by um saito tamaki uh just sort of like uh, and it's a psychoanalysis of uh otakus and a, a breakdown of the character of the uh beautiful fighting girl as uh, he, he calls them in in anime um, so, like, you know, uh, Sailor Moon, Rei Ayanami, you know him, you've seen him, you love him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And uh, in his sort of, like, analysis of uh, the otaku uh, psychology, he sort of presents the otaku as a kind of person who is capable of, like, indexing multiple fictional contexts is, is, is sort of the the, the, the the phrase that he uses and uh, by, by that he means that like uh, um, they sort of acknowledge like uh, many sort of layers of fictionality uh, the degree of fiction that exists in in the world as you're like uh, interpreting it as as you're as, as it's happening basically right and uh, another quality of the otaku is that uh, he sort of uh, seeks to possess the sort of uh, ephemeral uh, experiences and, uh, and the characters of uh, these anime by fictionalizing them further by like taking these animes characters from their environments and like uh, creating new environments and new scenarios and new purposes for them uh, often they're sexual in nature uh, right. but it's about like uh, removing them from 
this one reality and placing them in a reality that you have constructed through through fiction, through doujins, through fan art, through fan fiction, and uh, like making them yours. And I think that's sort of what they're doing in this ending for Chiho as well. Right. You mean they're uh, the person that made the the video is like putting Chiho in like a new fictional context for people to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, sort of like yeah, in- inviting this this particular kind of like consumption of like a, a imagery mm, yeah, and like sure. a and like a saying this is uh, the, the, the Chiho you know uh, is so much more uh, than what you think you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. It's like that kind of. Um, I don't know, like the Chiho range. Here's Chiho in a top hat. Here's Chiho <laughs> listening to music. Here's Chiho in a swimsuit. Which Chiho do you like? Maybe try and make some of your own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more or less. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Now. No, 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 that's not. That's, that's, that's sort of, a, that, that, that's sort of the, the idea, isn't it? It's not like a, a, an incredibly... Uh, a deep concept and just like right. uh, when, when, when you lay it out in, in a book and try to analyze it it may appear deep but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so we, we got like a, a it's a range of chihos and one of them is her like uh you know listening to music sitting on a dock uh you know wearing nothing but a, a sun hat and and a pillow sort of like clutched to her body <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then in some other scenes she's like uh gazing over over at, at the moon that is like a, a giant clock. She's standing on a giant clock face um, as this clock is being assembled and all of the gears and stuff are being put into place. And, you know, you see her like in, in a top hat, but then she appears in sort of like a bodyguard outfit, like a black shades and like a black mm-hmm. suit. And then she appears as a maid and she appears wearing like a, a kipao, the, uh, the China dress basically. And these are like, two big like moe concepts you know uh right. big big fan service uh, uh things but the, the bodyguard and the top hats chiho um not so much like um and the astronaut as well she appears as an astronaut <laughs> she does she does uh so we're like uh just building many layers of chiho basically as this clock is being assembled this idea of who chiho could be uh, sort of like assembled alongside it and like uh you know time progresses and chiho evolves the, the scene that comes after this um is fucking wild is chiho like dressed as charlie chaplin but then miniaturized, Wait, like, yeah. on a mantle. Yeah, next to some chess pieces. <laughs> yeah, next to some, like, giant chess pieces. I'm like, why the fuck is she dressed as Charlie Chaplin here? <laughs> it's, it's fucking hilarious. It's like a great image. Uh, but if I may put on my asshole film student's uh, hat, uh, <laughs> it made me think of the film Modern Times. <laughs> the, the Charlie Chaplin one, um, namely the, the factory scene from uh, Modern Times. He's like working on an assembly assembly line and he can't keep up with like uh, the products that need assembling. So he gets caught up on the uh, uh, conveyor belt and like mm-hmm. enters like uh, the, the guts of the machine. And he's sort of like churned through a bunch of gears. And like Modern Times is like a, a film about a labor and industrialization but it's also about rebelling against like the inexorable forward march of time <laughs> and like uh, mm. i i wonder like um 
you know, could this be going through Chiho's mind that she like sort of uh, envisions herself in like all of these different like uh, uh, fantasy scenarios as like uh, uh, fantasies for others, but also fantasies for herself. Uh, but then we see a shots of that is very revealing. Uh, actually, Chiho is sort of standing in an empty theater wearing a Playboy bunny outfit. Right, and she's she's dancing this. She's dancing a happy dance. She's like waving her hands in the air. But there's no one there. Like just a, a fully like just completely empty theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, That's yeah, but I, I think that uh, it sort of uh, really knits the, uh, the the symbolism together here. Like uh, uh, she's uh, standing in an, an outfit that some would consider revealing, uh, sexualized, exhibitionistic right uh she's performing exhibitionism in a place where no one can see her you know <laughs> it's like uh she's uh, entirely on her own and she's like playing out uh this uh, imaginary future whatever you might call it like a a career or a hobby like uh being a bodyguard or a maid or, or whatever it's like a charlie just, chaplin. <laughs> or charlie chaplin it's just a, another possibility in uh chiho's mind palace she's aware that like time doesn't stop for her uh but at the same time uh she's, she's very carefree you know yeah. she's yeah, a she's a, hi- she's a high schooler right yeah she must be getting to a point where she really has to decide what she wants to do with her life and uh maybe these are some scenarios she's dreaming up yeah or, or like places where she thinks she could have fun maybe even yeah yeah this um it also um it's it's notable that uh chiho uh, appears like completely solo throughout this yeah and uh, this ending it's like uh it's her on her own it's like um her, her very own realm. So we see Chio as an astronaut, and, uh, and the Earth is like a giant clock in the background. We see Chio on safari looking at a flock of flamingos, uh, which might be a, a, a Gundam reference, uh, actually. I was, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, we get a shot of uh, Chio under a spotlight in a ballerina dress, and her shadow is sort of like moving along with the hands of the clock. Uh, and these are all like scenes of like uh, isolation, solitude, loneliness. She's on safari, she's in space, she's under a spotlight, and uh, the rest of her surroundings are dimmed. And then um, we get a shot of like Shio just like doing a big old cry. It's like. Uh, yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a really incongruous, like a sad Shio, which sort of like mirrors the sad Shio from, from the, the, the opening, right? Right, yeah. And and then you know the, the the cheesecake shot returns. She's like in a in a sheer bikini, and like uh, this is the, the the shot that we got in the first free um, is, endings yeah. from uh, uh, of the show. Uh, I, I think we were both kind of like uh, uh, this did not appeal to either of us. This was like a we didn't think it was a very like a tasteful way to like uh, end uh, the, the show, or like a not representative life of what the show is really about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the context of the rest of this ending, I feel like yeah. it's like a lot less sexually charged, and and in the way that Chiho looks at the camera there is sort of like a, a recognition taking place there is like a, a, a slyness a sense of carefreeness 
I mean, I, I won't deny that, like, the, the, the camera gaze, like, and the camera eyes, like, it's just going right up into her yeah. butt. But, like... It definitely takes on a different meaning in this context, though, with all these other shots and all these other... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, finally, uh, we see Chiho in front of a, a shop window. Uh, and this is really interesting, uh, with uh, all of her friends uh, as mannequins. So you got like uh, Mao, Ashia, Emi, Susano, Urushihara, they're mannequins wearing their clothes and they've got like their wigs on, but they're not the, 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 the real people, you know? Yeah, and uh, Mao has his horns. He's like regular human Mao, but he's got his horns. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. That about? Right, it's like such an interesting way to like uh, end this uh, ending sequence. So like uh, all of these uh, possibilities that like uh, Chiho sees like moving before her eyes, and uh, when she looks to her friends, she sees them, yeah, as mannequins. And what 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 could that really mean? Like, uh, does she look at them as sort of like templates, as like uh, as like ego ideals, uh, perhaps? fucking maybe it's like the impossibility of uh being able to capture the permanence of friendship you know yeah maybe yeah it's like uh it's uh, there's also like a big reflection of a clock in the window mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah the clocks in every scene yes i yeah i think that's a good point though like uh kind of like what we said before she's at probably a really pivotal time in her life right Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least a time where she's going to have to think hard about her future. And she does have a great group of people around her, but they're all way older than her. Yeah. Uh, or at least seem to be. Um, yeah. She knows as well that they're not from this world, and there's a possibility they could go back to their world. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely like some fragility to the Hell connection yeah. that she has with them. Hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a, that's a really good read, actually. I I didn't get that far. It's like a, because I I feel like uh, presenting them as mannequins is, is sort of like uh, so 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 loaded. Like because uh, in, in a sense, it it's it's almost as if to, to say that uh, a Chio doesn't consider them real and that they're like uh, yeah. is uh, uh, yeah. but but they, they they could have. That's the first thing that I think of. It's like what does does Chio just think all of these these folks are just a uh, bunch of uh, fakes that this is like some some big old play that she's uh, putting on she's the, the only one <laughs> the only one she who is, uh, is a solipsist <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's just, a very just like a Katarina from Hamafura hell yeah hell yeah that's a very solipsistic kind of like a, a safari outer space like you know how, how lonely do you want to be um yeah so I, I, I looked up the lyrics for this one as well uh, so, so if you'll permit me. Of course. <laughs> From where does the morning come? The quiet sky, the pinky promise I pretended not to see, that fingertip. If it's the moon that was laughed at, it's going away in the direction of yesterday. A liar, a coward. Collect all debts, and I'm the results. If I was blooming, it must have been within a dream. I hid it. <laughs> I I hid it in the moonlight. But you know, 
and the truth is that I was crying. My tears won't flow anymore. Has the well run dry? If everything could be forgiven, maybe they'd flow again. But there are so many things I want to protect. Okay. Some of that's pretty sad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's um, uh, very much uh, representative of like uh, any, uh, the turbulence of uh, any inner life of uh, a teenage girl, uh, perhaps sure. standing on the precipice of like uh, of, uh, becoming a, a fully functional, like a fully independent adult, you know? Like we've seen Chiho sort of like uh, try and capture that adultness, that uh, uh, adulthoods, yeah. <laughs> like uh, flirting with with Mao, sort of like uh, mm-hmm. uh, entertaining the possibility of like uh, a relationship with a uh, with an older guy. Uh, she's responsible in many ways. She's got like a part time job while going to school. Uh, there's like a, a whole like a field of uh, opportunity and new miseries that um, she could be exposed to in this this transition period and like uh it's 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 difficult it must be difficult and uh it it, it might even lead to you wanting to uh you know leave this this boring ass plane of existence and seek out <laughs> seek out the possibility of of outer space perhaps yeah you know yeah yeah. yeah, interesting. <laughs> and that was that was the the ending. That was uh, a Gekka by Nanoripe. Pretty cool. I uh, never probably never would have watched this if you hadn't put it up, and now I've watched it a few times. Uh, it's definitely not what I, I I think I usually turn it off after I see Chio standing against the wall with the headphones <laughs> on. Yeah, like, nah, I'm not gonna watch yeah. this. But, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, w- w- watch it a couple of times. And, and listen oh. to the song. It's a good song. <laughs> it's yeah. a nice song. I'll watch it from now on. <laughs> I, won't, I won't skip it anymore. Okay, so now let's get to the meat. The episode summary. This is a, a strange few episodes. <laughs> Some stuff happens. And as you said, I think it becomes clear who the main character of the show actually is. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the guy whose name is in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's go. Uh, episode 7, The Dark Lord's Finances Are Saved by His Neighbours. Mao and Ashia are eating a frugal breakfast when they're interrupted by a visitor. After hearing a salutations through the door, Ashia guesses that it must be the girl that fell down the stairs at the end of the last episode. As Mao answers the door, the girl tells him that her name is Kamazuki Suzuno and that she is his new neighbor. She apologizes for causing trouble and offers him a giant box of udon as contrition. She says noodle. She doesn't say udon, <laughs> right? No, but the box says udon on it. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, damn. Oh, I didn't and notice it looks that. Like it looks like the same brand uh, on the packet that Chiho saw on the floor at the end of the uh, episode where they uh, explored the school. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, okay, that, that, that settles that then. Because I, I was like, uh, I, I felt like they weren't clear enough with like uh, resolving that, that stray packet of udon yeah. from the, <laughs> from the last episode. And like just fucking worried me to no end. 
Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't a translation of what the box said on it because uh, it could, it, yeah, it could have clarified that. But yeah, it's definitely udon and it's definitely the same brand, or it certainly looks like the same brand. Thank God, you can put the udon <laughs> mystery to rest. This <laughs> is no, unfortunately also seems to be in possession of a postcard from Mickey T. Uh, the mere thought of it triggers a kind of PTSD in Mao and Ashia. The postcard? <laughs> yes, that, uh, that same postcard uh, that was the source of the fat jokes in the last episode, or last couple of episodes. The funny uh, postcards. The funny postcard <laughs> that uh, knocked them all out and Ashia wanted to use it as a weapon. Remember the laughs, the laughs we've had yeah. <laughs> we laugh together. Ha ha ha. That's yeah. the, the fat <laughs> <Top> lady. <notch>. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let it go. No. So in the next scene, Emmy is on the phone with Emirada, who is uh, her friend from Enteisla, who traveled kind of pointlessly with a, a, a male colleague to <laughs> see Emmy, I guess, at the end of the battle with Lucifer and uh, Orba. Yeah. Um, uh, they're discussing a package that Emmy's received from her. Uh, it contains bottles containing sacred power, labelled Holy Vitamin B, so it's not to stand out in Japan. <laughs> uh, oh, it's Holy Vitamin Beta Des. Uh, yeah, Holy Vitamin Beta. She talks so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she like she talk. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Like, yeah, she sounds drunk. She, she sounds, sounds like wasted. drunk, high, or sleepy, or something. Yeah, or yeah, just uh, yeah, something weird about. Yeah, her. no, there is there is definitely something funny going on with uh, Emirada, um, because like once uh, Emmy gets off of the phone with her, she's like, "Where is she?" You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, where oh, even is she? Uh, yeah, like she's uh, sending a box full of energy drinks to her, and it arrived like the day after she sent it. And she's like, "Oh, I didn't think it would be that quick." You know, uh, like yeah, what, what is she? Where she send it with a courier through the gate? Yeah, yeah. Just like where is she? Where is she getting this from? And where is she sending it from? She's up to something. She's also speaking on like a phone. And like uh, yeah, talking about the uh, <laughs> the raids, yeah, I, I think uh, Emirata is somewhere getting getting lit, <laughs> getting mm, getting sure. blazed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sounds high as high as heck. Yeah, she does. Emirata recommends that Emmy drinks two of these holy vitamin beta drinks per day to restore her power. I guess. Yeah. So we cut to Emmy lurking in a very cute street, sweating through her clothes on a sweltering hot day. She guzzles delicious looking water as she considers the possibility that she might be a weirdo for stalking a couple of poor lads, such as uh, Ashia and Mal. That's a, a good look, having like a, a, a napkin on top of your heads in a, mm -hmm. a sweltering day. I need, to, I need to try that sometime. Just yeah, to walk sure. around with a wet napkin. I was just going to say, the way she guzzles that water, it sounds really refreshing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if uh, voice actors have to practice that or something. It's like uh, yeah. practicing delicious guzzling. She did a great job. <laughs> uh, so her train of thought is interrupted by the sound of uh, Susano scolding Urushihara for not folding his laundry correctly. 
Mm-hmm. And he decides to investigate this further. I, I, I think it's uh, interesting how Urishihara is sort of like uh, positioned across uh, these, these couple of episodes. Or uh, mm. just this episode, I suppose. He doesn't show up in the other two. When Mao introduces Urishihara to uh, Suzuno, he's like, uh, Hikikomori des. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, right. And he's like, well, that wasn't my fucking choice. And I'm like, oh, they, are, they, are they really like locking him up inside? Do they like trust him? I so, yeah. They just don't trust him enough to, to let him outside on his own? Like, I think he's a prisoner. Like They're punishing him for what he did. <laughs> Yeah, it's like consigning him to the life of a hikikomori. But if he steps outside, he could very possibly be a, a magical time bomb. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Amelia sneaks into the building and again overhears Suzuno now giving Arushihara some hot cooking tips yeah. while Ashia is lying on the floor seemingly weak from the heat. This episode kind of like fervor uh, conflates Emmy's sort of... Uh, uh, obsession slash duty with like romantic interest in like a way that I am progressively finding less interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like and you kind of get the impression that Emmy is too. Like, even her character is bored of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we, we do sort of like uh, um, see Emmy like tired of having to like um, regurgitate the same kind of like. Uh, uh, excuses, sort of, and like having to like mm-hmm. re-explain like her relationship to Mao each time, mm-hmm. uh, but um, that that part of her character is still present. Like, uh, why uh, is this this duty of yours? Like, uh, you feel you need to like uh, be like uh, this spy, this stalker, as a new presence arrives in the house, and. Um, is she has to like uh, know exactly what's going on like uh, are you really out here trying to slay demons or are you like a little jealous yeah I, I think that could be it like she's really clearly conflicted on the one hand a lot of her identity is tied to her as being in opposition to Mao mm-hmm. the hero versus the dark lord um, but she really doesn't want to kill him as he is now because he's like not really doing any harm like what is what does she do and and you know she's she said a bit of jealousy she's on her own pretty much she like lives alone mm-hmm. and she sees that Ashir and Mao are together with Urushihara and now they've got this other person who's like hanging yeah. out helping them cook so she's lonely definitely yeah yeah Susano does what Emmy is afraid to do uh, she simply introduces herself into the, the life of these boys like uh, makes a space for herself where uh, when she knows she's she's really needed and like Emmy can't seem to like uh, to, to bridge that gap due to probably like generations of animosity <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah. is never going to get settled but like whatever I guess whatever indeed <laughs> I also just love that Ashier is like knocked out from the heat he just like lies there on the floor for a lot of this episode and some of the next one as well my poor boy yeah he just can't handle it yeah <laughs> got tired out yeah sweating um so Irishihara discovers that our boys are out of ginger so Suzano offers to retrieve some from her quarters she uses the word quarters at least in the translation i thought that was funny mm. um as she leaves the apartment though emmy is startled and falls down the stairs 
Those stairs seem pretty perilous to the women of this show. Always <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> falling down. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's like uh, a weird, a weird narrative device. Like always having these women fall down the stairs. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, it's like um, I don't know, it's physical comedy, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and like it's funny the first couple of times it happens, but like uh, in, in, in this in this case, like uh, uh, Emmy is sort of caught by Mao. And uh, he like uh, makes makes the observation that like uh, you're you're like some sort of hero, right? Like uh, why is why are the stairs like such a, a problem for you? <laughs> like uh, to, to which Emmy like rightfully like fucking knees him in the skull, yeah, which is she gives him a round pretty kick pretty face. satisfying. <laughs> um, so after this, back in the apartment the gang feasts on Susano's delicious looking noodles and uh, Susano explains that she's from a faraway land and her odd mannerisms are due to her lack of experience in the sea so I, ha- I haven't really noted here yet but Susano has a very old-fashioned way of speaking she s- uses like weird old words mm. um, and she's dressed in like a traditional uh, Japanese yukata or uh, yeah. kimono style of thing uh, and yeah, she's generally very her mannerisms are of somebody from the past, basically. Yeah, yeah. She uses uh, old timey words. She says uh, mm-hmm. salutations, and uh, yep. yeah, and she she dresses old timey too. And she says she's from a, a far away place with uh, where they're still like uh, uh, stuck to traditions, but uh, we know better. We do. We know better. So while doing dishes, Mao reminds Emmy. Very, very proudly, that as of Sunday, he will be the shift manager at McDonald's. Emmy thinks he's being lame for bragging about it. Uh, I really love this moment, um, and I think Emmy has a lot of moments like this in the next few episodes, where she's just really, like, kind of like, fed up with all of these people. <laughs> <laughs> she just thinks they're all idiots. And she's with, like, I don't know. Yeah, she's exhausted. Yeah, she's tired of this shit. <laughs> Emmy is tired of your bullshit. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't blame her. Like, mm, yeah. Suzuno senses some hot tension between Emmy and Mal, uh, but Emmy puts those thoughts to rest. People seem to like doing this, asking if Emmy and Mal are dating or close or whatever. What? Absolutely absurd. Where did you get that notion from? That, that, uh, ridiculous. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's always screaming at them about uh, it, but... <laughs> But no one is fucking listening. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, Ma- Mao never tries to like convince them otherwise. It's always Emmy doing all the hard work. Oh yeah, well he's a fucking dunce. He is like uh, just yeah. n- no fights, no fights, head yeah. empty. And like to to me, this this, this gag is getting a bit stale. Uh, and in the in the beginning, in the beginning, I really liked the dynamic between Emmy and and Mao. They like uh, they were capable of uh, riffing off of each other of like uh, some 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 energy, some relatable energy. Um, and, and now I feel like they fulfilled that that formula for me that that, that shipping formula where like uh, the, the, the yeah the, the the good guy and the bad guy are secretly like really into each other like a uh, excellent excellent formula right there and, and now I I hope they do not get together I, yeah, I, me too. I want to see Emmy can, <laughs> can do so much better yeah suddenly believing Susano to be after Mao romantically. The two of them step out for a more private chat. 
Emmy warns Susano not to get close to Mao and offers her her contact info so she can lean on her for support and whatnot. Sometime later, Mao is leaving for work when he is approached by Susano, who has prepared for him a very fancy looking bento to take to work. It's a, a real fine looking looking bento. Yeah, um, big <laughs> uh, also, a an excellent opportunity to slip some fucking poison in there. I know. Like, so fucking uh, some rat pellets or whatever the fuck. Just <laughs> like. End, end this boy's miserable life. <laughs> I don't like Mao anymore. <laughs> Me either. I, don't like um, I, I think you, you might have uh, skipped this bit, but like uh, on, on the way out, Emmy falls down the stairs again. Oh, yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> the second time in this, uh, this episode, and they um, uh, very tastefully like uh, give us a, a, a panty shot to accompany uh, her, her yeah. self injury. Uh, over the stairs, like uh, that's a uh, top eroticism, I gotta say. We, we also like earlier in the episode, while uh, um, Emmy is sort of staking out the boy's house, we like uh, get this uh, a sweaty shot of like her her bra through her like uh, uh, shirts, yeah. and it, it like really turned up the the, the fan service for these uh, for these episodes for some reason. Where whereas in the previous episodes, this was not the case at all. Like yeah. um, aside from like the yeah, question no, questionable ending, but like yeah, I thought that was weird. I thought it was like a yeah, wrong, strange development, wrong app. But <laughs> maybe the uh, animators were just extra horny that day. I don't know. Maybe yeah. you gotta keep yourself really entertained horny. somehow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Emmy is back on the phone with Emirata who, like many of the other people in Emmy's life, is trying to ship her and Mao. Uh, Emirata gives Emmy an update on what's happening back on Ente Isla. Uh, the, church is, the church mission is investigating Orba's disappearance, so Emirata warns Emmy to be careful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of other like, politics stuff she talks about. Yeah. Super relevant. Yeah. Or does it doesn't feel super relevant anyway. Not yet, um, but I, I like how they keep this sort of like a uh, secondary storyline alive. And like, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. It yeah, uh, definitely needs it. Yeah, greater developments in the future. Yes, it it, it does need it. Like, uh, <laughs> if, if it wasn't there, then like, uh, yeah, this this could very very easily descend into like a, a boring slice of life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, I wish I wish Emirata at least uh, demonstrated a bit more awareness about like uh, uh, Emmy and uh, Mao's relationship. Uh, but uh, this, this this whole this whole shipping thing is like uh, is getting a, a bit out of hand. And um, yeah, girl can't catch a break. Yeah, this is, this is the kind of tension I enjoyed. I already explained that. Uh, but there is, like, uh, um, Emmy has a, a different kind of goal, a different kind of purpose in mind. Uh, she's not pursuing it at the moment for reasons that are unclear. And Mao is a person whose, like, background and, like, experience in this new world is still, like, very much hidden to us. Like, uh, we yeah. still don't really know what, what Mao is about and when we do get to see of him is like very surface level a very simple 
and it like makes me feel like a little bit mistrusting of him like i was yeah i know what you mean <laughs> yeah I, i was willing to like let that pass in the earlier episodes but like uh we're like six to nine episodes uh seven to nine episodes in now fucking like tell me who mao yeah, is please away, does he? yeah, yeah. Because if you don't tell me who Mao is, I'm going to come to my own conclusions that are not going to be generous. Because he, he seems like a <laughs> seems like a dumbass and a bit of a creep. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you're um, if you're Amelia the hero, uh, how would you feel if like people were constantly trying to like prove that you secretly want to hook up with a guy that you c you hold responsible for your father's death? Yeah, it can only happen in in anime, can't it? <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to right. I'm trying to picture this in a different context, and like the first thing I thought of is like, what if people tried shipping like uh, Clarice and Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain that exists. Uh, yeah, no, that was a bad example. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Yeah. At McRonald, Mao's boss establishes a new enemy, Sentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> SFC. <laughs> She gives him a bit of a pep talk and sends him off on his break. Yes. Yes, boss. I love you, boss. Step on me, boss. Um, <laughs> I, I get the sense that, yeah, no, I get the sense that Mao really likes being a, a fucking little lackey suck up. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 He respects his boss a lot. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, and I think he's just very pleased not to have to be the boss anymore. Oh yeah, that's that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. So in the break room, Mao sits down in front of Chiho and opens up his vento. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that the vento was put together by his young female neighbor. Bigger mistake. <laughs> Chiho freaks out. She demands to see inside. <laughs> she is like, she is really freaking out. Um, yeah. uh, he takes the lid off and uh, they see inside there's New Year's delicacies in the upper compartment. Mm. Uh, I'm not totally familiar with these. They only, what these are, they only show them for a brief second. I'm mm. sure they're tasty. Um, Chiho braces herself for the lower compartment. <laughs> It is as she feared. Rice, I think. Yeah. With a heart drawn on it. <laughs> yeah, like uh, some some mayo in the in the shape of a heart or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Rice and mayo. <laughs> kind of like uh, yeah, well, that's what they used to like. Um, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, might be thinking of something else. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is I, I I like this scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny, isn't it? It's um yeah. yeah as so oblivious. Mao is uh, an an idiot. He's uh, he's a fucking dumbass. Like you really should have thought this through. Uh, as my uh, esteem for Mao lowered in these uh, three episodes, my esteem for uh, Chiho went up. I, really yes, I, I I think I stand Chiho now. Really? Uh, yes, we've uh, we've grown. We've learned. We've uh, analyzed the the ED. <laughs> <laughs> And. <laughs> I I am uh, I, I am now a Chiho stan. Uh, let it be yeah. known. Uh, yeah, but like uh, I think I've brought this up before, but Chiho has like uh, the best faces in the show, 
uh, yeah, she's she does have good faces. She's got like all of the the, the comical like uh, and goofy anime faces. She's like a, goes through like uh, all of the emotions. And um, in this situation, it's like uh, sort of a tragic comic, like shooting shooting herself in the foot when she like uh, asks Mao to like uh, reveal the contents of uh, this bento made by his uh, female neighbor. Um, it almost gives you the sense that Chiho enjoys this uh, this particular kind of tension. It sort of like yeah. relishes and like. Uh, uh, this, this is Chio sort of like uh, picking at a scab, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of masochism. <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit. It's and it's 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 funny and like uh, yeah. I, honestly, you should have been making a, a bento for for the dude like ages ago. Like, have you not watched yeah. anime? Like, yeah, I'm surprised she hasn't. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile. Emmy is attacked by an assailant at the convenience store. She summons better half with ease, so I guess all the holy vitamin B is working. Mm. Uh, her opponent is masked, but they carry with them a magic-seeming scythe, and they have an attack that neutralizes better half, so they fire this purple light at it, and it extinguishes. Um, in a strange twist, the convenience store employee chases the attacker off, and I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Stand this guy. Uh, he's got the funniest run. So I was <laughs> yeah. to capture it in the screenshot in the notes, but I, I just couldn't do it justice. Uh, no. It's just hilarious. No, I, I know like, what you mean. And when he was like uh, saying goodbye to her as she was leaving the store, he kind of sang it in this like really stone <laughs> extended little goodbye customer song. Yeah, uh, he's hilarious. Yeah, no, he has like so he has a, a very funny way of talking. He's like he's sort yeah. of he's sort of like the what's what's, what's the name of the, uh, the the perpetual teen from uh, The Simpsons uh, that works at Krusty Burger Krusty. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Like oh, the, the, the pimply teen or whatever. Yes, voice teen or whatever. yes. Uh, he's sort of like him, but like a, a, a bit cooler. And uh, he has like a, a funny like a, a way of way of talking. Yeah. So. And he, he chases off the attacker by throwing a paintball at him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this not quite makes sense to me. And dude's got a magical sight. What does he care yeah. if he gets paint on him? That did the trick. Yeah, it's a cool, cool little bit. We get like a little bit of uh, action. Guy with a magical scythe. That's uh, that's always cool in my book. I also like this uh, scene because we get like a, a another look into Emmy's like uh, lifestyle choices uh, or mm. dietary choices. Yeah. She's uh, buying a shitty convenience store curry again, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, uh, dude. I'd I'd like to say do better, Emmy, but uh, I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I I relate strongly. Yeah, poor Emmy. The convenience store employee, the guy that we love, he makes Emmy wait in the store for the police to come. Uh, And while waiting in the store, Emmy receives a call from Chiho, devastated by the revelation of the heart-shaped rice in the bento. Uh, Emmy is really... (laughs) over all this shit (laughs) I think her response is just like huh? (laughs) why the hell are you calling me about this? yeah uh, that was uh, was an excellent line read uh, uh, how she does 
Chiho calls up uh, completely overwrought and like mm-hmm. uh, mentions Mao and like uh, Emmy's like what the fuck did Mao do and it's like uh, oh no a girl made him a bento and yeah that's kind of when you would like to hang up the phone and uh, just <laughs> yeah. go to go to sleep Man, go directly I really feel, to bed feel her tiredness <laughs> by the end of these three episodes yeah. I'm really right there with her yeah I, I like when uh, Emmy gets to call like plays uh, a, a song as her like a uh, ringtone oh, yeah, and yeah. she's like embarrassed by it for some reason yeah. I would I wish I knew what that ringtone was yeah <laughs> that's uh that was a great moment it's just like <laughs> I just, I just like the song, okay? <laughs> yeah. The convenience store guy's like, oh, soul car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he clearly doesn't give a shit. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to know Great what that stuff. song is. Yeah. I hope we see more of that guy. I hope he returns in a future episode. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I would watch a show about him, to be honest. <laughs> Hell yeah. um, that was episode seven. Hell yeah. Shall we move on to episode eight? Well, I, I have some voice actor notes for you. Some uh, Sayu oh, nice. segments. Nice. Do it. Let's talk about uh, my new favorite character, Sasaki Chiyo. She is voiced by uh, Toyama Nao. Uh, she's 29 years old, and she's been working in anime since uh, 2010. Her hobbies, she has a lot of uh, musical hobbies, like uh, plays instruments, uh, likes dancing, and uh, she plays the electric organ, which I think is uh, especially oh, cool. Is cool. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a dope instrument to get into. Uh, she says she was inspired to go into voice acting by Full Metal Alchemist. And she, cool. uh, yeah, she discovered that, like, uh, the voice of uh, Edward Elric is uh, done by a lady. It's done by uh, Romy Park. And she was like, oh shit, uh, I can do that. I can do voices also. So she went on to do voices in anime. Um, That's very cool. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, so uh, some roles that you might recognize her from. Uh, this is Natsu in Seven Seeds. Oh, cool. <laughs> She's the one with the, with the cat photo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love Natsu. <laughs> Natsu is great. She has She's she has a, a real arc. <laughs> she has a, a real arc and uh, ends up saving the day with her periods. Uh, spoilers yeah. spoilers for yeah. seven seeds. <laughs> um uh, yeah. She saves the planet. Her menstrual cycle. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, she does. Can't explain, sorry. <laughs> She does, and like uh, this is like uh, kind of a a, a character in it, uh, sort of the nearly the same archetype as as Chiho. It's like uh, Chiho is sort of like the comedic yeah, context of this uh, this character, and Natsu is like a a lot more sincere, a lot more shojo like character perspective character is is what I meant to say. This is also the voice of uh, Lyria in Grand Blue Fantasy, uh, who is uh, also like uh, another uh, young girl character. And this is uh, Kanon Nakagawa in The World God Only Knows, which is uh, a, a great anime. Um, <laughs> very funny, uh, where she plays like uh, another uh, young girl who is a, a pop idol. Um, who is a, 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 has a tremendous fear of failure 
and like a kind of a dark past. Not, not too dark. It's a very funny anime. But. Interesting. And this is also the voice of Sasuke Uchiha in Naruto Shippuden. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the baby Sasuke. <laughs> Oh, the, little, the young one, like in flashbacks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's on her fucking resume now, so like, <laughs> that's a that's a big get. Um, big. Yeah, and this is also the voice of Rin Shima in Eurocamp. Uh, for those of you who watch uh, Eurocamp, um, uh, anime that has been recommended to me several times, I'm gonna get on that. Nice. Yeah. She's got uh, she's got some good stuff on her resume. Hell yeah, and it's a it's a, a big old list of credits, but and, and these were just just the ones that I recognized. Uh, Toyama now, thank you for your service, brave Seiyu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so shall we move on to episode eight then? Hell yeah. Uh, so episode 8 is called The Hero Joins the Fray. This episode begins with Chiho freaking out again to Amelia about that lunchbox. She knows that she must make her move quickly and pays a visit to Mao's apartment, only to be greeted at the door by Suzuno. Satisfied by the explanation that Suzuno's only there handling cooking due to Ashia being out of commission, Chiho thirstily compliments Sizano's te- technique for preparing vegetables. <laughs> like switches very quickly to being like freaked out and stressed to being like, oh my god, uh, how do you get this lettuce so crisp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ch- Chio is, is freaked out in the first place because uh, Susano has this uh, funny habit of like m- referring to people by their first name. Uh, she uses uh-huh. sort of like uh, outmoded, highly ir- respectful, honorific of Dono, so he's like, oh, right, yeah. yeah, she she says like, Sadao Dono, so it's like, a, a f- very funny, she like, a, a very intimately like, refers to their um, first names, but uh, uses like, a, a very old, uh, kind of honorific, it's like, going around calling, calling me Sir Lawrence, or her, or something like that. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's funny. I feel like Chi Chen and Emmy are sort of in the, the same kind of position here of being uh, unable to be uh, true to their feelings. Uh, Emmy is somewhat aware of that, like uh, Chio maybe less so. I, I like how she sort of is immediately able to make friends with Susano, and it's like a, 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 a great character trait, of course. Uh, yeah. But you know, why did I have to like bond over like girlfriend stuff basically like i feel like the um the subtext of like uh her wanting to know how to get the lettuce so crisp is that so she can like cook like this for mal and like eh. yeah, a little bit like frick off mal <laughs> get get mal out of here <laughs> <laughs> they're all there sitting around eating uh, I haven't written that down, but I seem to remember that like all of them are sat around eating now. Yes. Uh, Urishihara, just from a cardboard box, <laughs> yeah. it's like sl- sleeping in a cardboard box uh, to complain about uh, the way he's being treated. Um, yeah. And while the girls talk about Sizano's plans uh, to search for a job and whatnot, 
he's just like talking in the background the whole time like asking where the fried chicken is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Fried Chicken yeah. Mr. Karage <laughs> I just love that moment where he slides out of the car <laughs> yeah. yeah no that was that was uh, a fucking top moment from uh, from Chef's these episodes just, uh, just in, in full cat mode he's like opened these these udon boxes and like taped them yeah. together into like a sort of like centipede of boxes <laughs> like he's just chilling in there it's hilarious so they're talking about Susano looking for a job and Mao actually offers her a job at McGronald and pretty much everyone around the table is like this guy's an idiot <laughs> 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 knowing that it's just you know Chio's just gonna be jealous and uh, uh, oh it, it's not necessarily everyone around the table. It's Urushihara specifically that is like... Uh, Urushihara, yeah. Yeah, it's like this fucking adult. Yeah. I think they, they kind of all have a look on their face. Yeah. I, I, I could be remembering this wrong. But uh, I got the feeling that they all thought he was kind of dumb for doing that. But yeah, mm. it was Urushihara who called him out, right? Yeah. Or maybe he didn't call him out. I think he was thinking it or something. Yeah. yeah. Ashia then instructs Chiho and Emi to help Susan him out of clothes and stuff. Or it felt like he was instructing them to do that. He was oh, like, yeah? why don't you go help her buy some clothes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could have interpreted that. Yeah. Wrong. And like, um, Urishihara grabs uh, uh, Emmy's purse. And, uh, and this is oh, yeah. <laughs> this is where, like, uh, Emmy snatches it off of him. And he's like, I don't want to catch neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it when um, Emmy is roasting the boys. Like yeah, a, she's good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in the episode before this, she has like a a, a nice moment of uh, fucking dressing them down, and it's uh, pretty cool. Mm. After breakfast, on Ashia's advice, Mao walks Chiho home, and during the walk, Chiho offers to make lunch for Mao later. Chiho tells Mao that even though she knows he was an evil demon who inflicted terror and suffering on a nation of humans, she has fallen for him anyway. She says something like, <laughs> she and Amelia have been texting yeah. about the stuff that he did. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the content of those texts. Is Amelia just texting her being like, so then Mao like, uh, burned this village uh, and uh, had his demons uh, kill all these children. She's just texting her that. And she goes like, yeah, but... <laughs> I can fix him. <laughs> I can yeah, fix him. Tio basically confesses her feelings. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is this is wild. Um, this is weird. Yeah, Mao calls her scary. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then she like uh, threatens to put Mao in the hospital if uh, if she yeah. ever crosses him, uh, which is which is yeah. fair. Yeah, this is this is not a great look for Chiho, but. <laughs> But she, she also, before this, she's, like, uh, asking Mao about his bike, and he's like, oh, you don't have a luggage rack, do you? And then and Mao's like, yeah, well, sorry, I can't give you a ride, we get fined. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, Mao is a fucking dolce, but, like, uh, I, I, I really like Chiho's sort of, like, uh, wide-eyed, uh, admittedly naive romanticism. I think, I think that's cute. I am also very curious about the the content of the texts that uh, she's been yeah. <laughs> sharing with her. Because how, how the fuck do you play down, like, burning villages and slaughtering yeah. people, including your dad? Like, <laughs> and, 
and then he, and then she's like, um, I, I, I'll, I'll decide whether I love you or yeah. not. And like, um, yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I like to imagine that Amelia's just texting her this stuff uh, apropos of nothing. <laughs> just like occasionally send her a text outlining civil war crime. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love that for Amy. <laughs> yeah, no, same. She needs that outlet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but on, on the one hand, uh, it's 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 fucking wild that like uh, uh, Chio could still have a crush on uh, Mao, knowing all of this shit. But on the other hand, this is a, a fucking anime character making a, a clear confession and like mm-hmm. uh, halfway through the series, and I'm like, yeah, whoa. That is that is refreshing and uh, welcome, and uh, you know, it, it shows a greater maturity from um, Chiho than uh, Mao in this moment. Where like this is a would have been a great opportunity to establish boundaries, oh, yeah. <laughs> to like uh, to talk about like uh, the, the things they've been going through together, talk about where they're at, but he doesn't do that at no. all. No. Uh, I can't even remember what he says. After he calls her scary, she's like, yeah, we girls will put you in intensive care or whatever. I don't remember if he says anything else after that. But they do get interrupted. As it turns out, Susano's been watching and listening the whole time. Uh, Chiho runs away in embarrassment. Susano, oh, she steals Mal's kindness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Susano uh, seems really shocked by Mal's kindness and maturity in the situation so I use the word maturity because it seems like Susano thinks that Mao has responded maturely to Chiho's confession I don't think he has no but uh, his response to Susano is like oh you know she she confessed so uh, clearly that uh, I can't really ignore it and besides her parents trust me and stuff it's like so, it's, wait what <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Like, he has to tell her how he feels. He yeah. has to tell her if he doesn't feel the same way, like, definitively. He really has to do that. Yeah. He's not going to. No, he's he's a chump. He's a, a, a yeah. child, and uh, and he's, he's got... He's hiding something. I just, I just know it. His evil plot to destroy Earth or take over Earth or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to see Chio get hurt. <laughs> in our next scene, Emmy and Susano meet in the train station, where Susano very casually reveals that she is from Enteisla and came to Japan through the gate. And you know, I think we probably like figured out by this stage that she is from Enteisla quite clearly. Like she's just too weird and too much of a coincidence oh, to I, not be. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, seasoned anime viewers, so yeah. <laughs> Emmy, Emmy, on the other hand, is uh, dropped the ball. Emmy said to Susano, like, are you after Mao? And obviously, from Emmy's perspective, she was saying, you know, like, romantically. But Susano thought she meant, like, murderously. <laughs> <laughs> so she said yes. Um, so, yeah, some serious wires have been crossed. Susano's been under the impression that Emmy was helping her to take down the Dark Lord. She is actually the first interrogator of the Reformation, Christia Bell. The two of them get the train to Shinju- uh, Shinjuku. And Susano freaks out over various technologies, including TVs and escalators and stuff. But oddly, in the next scene, she claims to have learned about Japan from documentaries. So, like, she must have seen a TV before, please. Yeah, that was that was weird. I thought that was weird, too. <laughs> she, 
I learned about Japanese culture from documentaries about like uh, samurais and stuff, which is why I'm so old fashioned. In the previous scene, she's like freaking the fuck out over this tiny box with talking people <laughs> in it. What gives? Where did she watch these documentaries if not on a television? It, it, yeah, no, I, I have no idea. Like, that's a bizarre little incongruity. Like, a little, uh, it doesn't make sense. Like, a, I like that uh, as they're about to get on the train Susano like uh, talks about like being unfamiliar with trains etc and how to like pay for a train mm-hmm. ticket and she like um, says something like uh, uh, you, you have to pay with the, the fruits of your labor <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get like a shot of like a watermelon that, yeah. is, that is put on ice and I, I just think that like just the most refreshing looking image yeah, and sure. um yeah i'm i'm surprised that i have never thought of putting a watermelon on ice that's just fucking genius yeah, that is so um cool. summer's around the corner i'm fucking chowing down on iced water watermelon iced fruits of labor <laughs> Over iced coffees Susano outlines her plan to destroy the dark lord and help amelia return home Amelia's having none of it. She's over that church noise. She doesn't need any help defeating Mao. Shelly doesn't want any of this shit. She's doing it her own way. Uh, and I like that for her. And it seems like Susano is like uh, uh, con- convinced to like take her side as well. Yeah, pretty much. So meanwhile, McGronald is struggling for business. The new Kentucky Fried Chicken, SFC, has opened across the street and is stealing all their customers. The McRonald boss, uh, Kisaki, alludes to a terrifying fate if they lose this battle for fast food supremacy, that they could get shipped off to Greenland. <laughs> this is this is like weird for a few reasons. Firstly, Greenland is like such a weird choice, uh, but also like if if your company, if your like minimum wage fast food shift manager job was like you have to go to Greenland <laughs> because you couldn't beat KFC over the street, would you just quit? Get another job. There's no way. Wait, I'd take the ticket to Greenland, <laughs> Or yeah, I mean like if you wanted to go to Greenland, great, but like it's not it's not like as terrible as they're making it out to be, like some kind of world ending event. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping a Greenland is some sort of a uh, dark euphemism for uh, uh, who knows what <laughs> for the slaughterhouse where they make some burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna turn you into pink goop. <laughs> uh, we cut to Mal's first shift as manager, and dur- during the shift, James from Team Rocket shows up, <laughs> claiming to be the manager of SFC. Um, obviously, he's not James from Team Rocket. He's much shorter than James he's a from tiny Team Rocket. James, but he really does look a lot like him. He's very oh, weird. He, he, really like, he is. creeps on Chiho and generally acts like a weirdo. He wears shades the whole time, and Chiho comments on his like disgusting cologne. His um, tiny creep. Yeah. <laughs> he's so sus. <laughs> yeah, fucking weirdo. My theory is that he's like the guy that attacked Amelia. Um. Yeah. So I watched like 
I watched this these episodes like three times. Like right. uh, Amelia actually suspects Susano for a, for a second of being the assailant, uh-huh. which like makes yeah. no sense. But like, and uh, I also briefly had to find that perhaps it, it might have been uh, this guy. Uh, but mm. isn't the wasn't the guy like a, a, a bit stouter, a bit like uh, a rounder, a bit like a bit taller? Maybe uh, yeah. But then but it I think it's. It, it, it's significant that like uh, that guy I think had distinctive eyes. His eyes are the only part that you could really see of him, and yes. this guy always wears shades. Yes, no, that yeah, that, that was the thing that uh, convinced me uh, mm. as as well. Um, it, it could very well be Zisas. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, I didn't catch his real name. I think I just referred to him as James throughout the, the, these notes. I, I forgot his name um, as well. I don't know if you... Yeah, okay. As Emmy leaves work with her co-worker Rika, who you may remember from previous episodes, is uh, long-suffering, always asking her out to lunch and uh, always getting rejected, uh, she meets up with Susano again, who has bought some more traditional clothes, even though I believe she was supposed to buy like some modern stuff. She just bought a bunch of more traditional clothes. Susano demands to be escorted to Mao's workplace, and Rika really assumes that there's a kind of lover's quarrel going on here with Mao. Yep. Uh, and she decides to accompany them, despite Emmy's protest. So, like, Emmy can't even catch a fucking break from her colleague about this shit. Uh, it's infuriating. Well, you, oh my god, it's like, will y'all please shut the fuck up about Mao? It's like the least interesting person <laughs> in this entire scenario. You got like um, yeah. uh, a fucking uh, a tiny girl in like a kimono, like walking up to y'all talking in Shakespeare language and like, <laughs> like you want to know about Mao? Like, f- <laughs> yeah. frick off. Um, uh, in, in, in this bit, uh, Susano like demonstrates her like her, like oyster card thing, and <laughs> like we get like oh, a yeah. little little scene of her card. like uh, yeah buying her buying her smart card and like uh, mm-hmm. just flashback to, to every time I had to top up my oyster in London and like a uh, fucking panic because I have to get through the gates for some reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it's I, stressful. I also wanted to point out James, the uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken manager, where he like mm-hmm. uh, when he notices Chiho working behind oh, the yeah. counter, he like does this goofy little crab walk over to her, just like yeah. very funny. And then he's like, he says like just the weirdest shit. He's like, uh, could you could you please make me uh, uh, prepare me a meal made by your beautiful hands or some shit? That's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I think he calls them, like her delicate hands. Like <laughs> he has like the weirdest game. He's got the creepiest game, and yeah. um, it shows up in the next episode as well. Yeah, it really does. He's <laughs> a fucking weirdo. I, I mean, can you imagine like going to get some fried chicken or something, and like he's the guy that serves you? <laughs> oh, it's You'd never go back. I'm surprised they they get any customers at SFC. <laughs> It's like it's like the the fucking line that he uses as well. Well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we will. Uh, and that is uh, that's episode eight. See you segment. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna be introducing these from, from now on. <laughs> See you segment. See you segment. <laughs> Urushiara Hanzo is voiced by Shimano Hiro. He's uh, 41 years old, working in anime since 2001. 
20 years of anime, baby. Well done. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I, I look up uh, these uh, little factoids about the uh, voice actors on uh, my anime list and uh, like uh, travel to Wikipedia every once in a while. Well, my anime list, uh, he has like uh, listed as a special skill, able to improvise amazing songs at requests. Okay. <laughs> and uh, can tell which and where Nakara Age is bought after one to two bites. Is in like the fried chicken? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a, a fan of fried chicken, uh, Karaage, and uh, he, he can uh, apparently uh, determine where the Karaage was bought from after uh, just one to two bites. Uh, wow, <laughs> I mean, that's quite a skill. <laughs> uh, so, so perhaps uh, the little bits in uh, episode eight where um, uh, Urushuhara is uh, begging, <laughs> begging for the karaage is like uh, a bit of ad libbing on his part or something. Yeah, yeah I think so. I love that. <laughs> right. So uh, this is the voice of Isidro in uh, Berserk. A rest in peace to uh, Miura Sensei. Um, okay. Uh, this is the voice of uh, Dobby in Boku no Hero Ap- Academia. Uh, Dobby's a villain, right? Yes, yes. He's the, 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 the villain. He's got like the funky design that is ripped off in uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, he's, uh, he's got uh, like the... Like patchwork st- st- Yeah, the patchwork, like uh, stitches, yeah. uh, something like that. This is the voice of uh, Keima Katsuragi in uh, The World God Only Knows as well. This is the, the main character of uh, The World God Only Knows, which is a, a fantastic anime. Like uh, You should check it out. It's very funny. This is the voice of Zenitsu in Demon Slayer. Uh, and this is the voice of uh, Ayato Kamina in Razafen. And uh, this is also... Connie Springer in ah. Attack on Titan. Connie. Yeah. Good old Connie. Good, good, good old <laughs> Connie. Don't everyone? Everyone remembers Connie. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, mean, I remember what he looks like. But I don't remember what he's done. If he's done anything, his mom was a titan. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. His, uh, his mom really, really took a no. Um, <laughs> like, she really did. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, sorry to the uh, the Connie stands out there, but uh, de- de- definitely not um, one of my faves. Uh, but uh, Shimano Hiro, uh, and a fantastic voice actor. Um, thank you for your service. I am saluting. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's move on to episode 9. Yes, I just scroll. This episode is called The Hero Learns the True Meaning of Lover's Quarrel. In uh. my subs, this episode is called The Hero Experiences a Fray. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Where are you watching it? Um, I you'd say that I watch my anime in the Legally. same way that uh, Jack Sparrow would watch his anime, perhaps. Totally legal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So this episode picks up where we left off, exactly where we left off. 
with uh, Rika, Susano and Emmy on their way to visit Mao work. A local celebration called the Sasahata Tanabata Festival is starting today. Rika suggests that the three of them talk strategy inside SFC. She's way too excited, maybe not too much going on in her own life at the moment. Yeah, she just wants to get into the, the juicy details of this lover's quarrel that she's invented between uh, Mao and Emmy, I guess. Yeah, and like, Emmy is doing her very best to like, just be like, Rika, please drop it. Rika, please yeah. stop. <laughs> Rika, this yeah. is not at all interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, but Rika, as we find out, has a habit of getting over-familiar very quickly. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. very much so. Yeah. They order iced coffees and teas and a maple biscuit for Susano. Sounds good. Hell yeah. Uh, and the guy serving them is, of course, James from <laughs> Team Rocket. Uh, he reminds us that he's a creep by getting a little too familiar with Rika. I believe he like uh, puts her change in her hand and like touches her hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, not cool. I <laughs> so when, when Rika makes the order, he says... I'm sure our products will be overjoyed to have been bought by such beautiful women. God, he's so weird. It's fantastic. Our products are overjoyed. Our fried chicken will be so glad to know that they're being eaten by babes. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with him? The chicken, the fried chickens are like positively beaming. Being eaten by a sexy girl. <laughs> this is a bizarre way of flirting. It's just, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, more evidence that uh, he's a uh, fucking into Eastland, right? It's just uh, a, oh, yeah. a weirdo and a creep. He doesn't get social conventions, does he? Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not to say it's like totally unbelievable that a regular dude would act this way. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's unfortunately true. We've uh, all we've all met. Now seated, Rika asks Emmy and Susano to tell her about Mao. To Susano, he is simply a neighbor. To Emmy, he is simply her soon-to-be murder victim. <laughs> she says she wouldn't think twice about killing him, but you know. Rika is really not buying any of it. She's like, oh, come on, I think you're not being honest. You obviously have feelings for him or whatever. And Emmy's just, she's so tired. She's um, she's fucking exhausted. And, like, uh, she's uh, just c- completely dropping the, the facade of uh, civility. Uh, I-, I love how upfront she always is about uh, her willingness to uh, fucking murder Mao. I just wish she'd do it already. Me too. <laughs> um, but then there'd be no show. Um, what? We'll call it Hataraku Ashiyasama. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy launches into a rant about all of Mao's terrible personality traits, but she's interrupted by Ashia, who has been sampling SFC products for a report he's compiling for Mao. Uh, Mao asked him to go to SFC and carry out uh, <laughs> Ashia says a thorough consumption of Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> uh, to kind of get enemy on, uh, info on the enemy rather 
Emmy is going down the list of uh, ways in which uh, Mao is uh, just uh, shady and untrustworthy, and uh, I, I, I really feel Emmy on this. Like uh, the, the 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 more reticent Mao is to like uh, to, to show his hand to like uh, show us who he is. The, the, the more like sly and untrustworthy he seems to me mm-hmm. like like he has like he has some sort of uh, plots I, I just hope Ashia's like uh, trust isn't like misplaced yeah me too he really respects the guy would do anything for him while this is going on though Mao is back at McGronald searching for ways to bring customers back because they've all gone to SFC obviously. He commands his team to clean windows. Yeah, that's how you know that there's nothing left to do. At SFC, Emmy offers to buy Ashia's food in exchange for some help with this uncomfortable summit with Rika. And this is kind of a weird part. Ashia weaves this story for Rika in which he claims that he and Mao once ran a business (laughs) specializing in land and construction called Mao Inc. (laughs) Uh, He paints Emmy as their business rival who succeeded in putting them out of business. Strange metaphor. It's interesting to me that like uh, in Ashia's version of events, he and Mao were like hardworking and industrious and Emmy was like the bad guy somehow. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's like a, a, a really funny reframing of like this past that we know very little about. So really, mm-hmm. like all we know is that like uh, a demon lord had an army and he was doing some uh, some pretty gnarly army shit. Uh, but as as far as like uh, Ashia is concerned, they were like uh, engaged in enterprise against a, a competing entity. For all we know, that might have been the case. <laughs> Except uh, yeah, yeah, a, a bit more bloody, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to know more about that. But I I, I think this is this bit is um, is very funny because um, because of the way that Ashia like sells this story like completely straight faced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just uh, just uh, um, pulling this story out of his ass and like uh, selling it like uh, fantastically. Uh, Rika like buys all of this, and he's like looking yeah. at them like, "Wait, how old were you guys again?" Yeah, <laughs> and she feels inadequate. Yeah, yeah, and um, Emmy is just sitting in the back there, like uh, unable to to contradict uh, uh, Ashio. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't have the energy to like uh, come up with a cover story. Uh, she just wants to be done with this. She's just, she's just sitting back there, being like, uh, "What? Uh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, okay." Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, however ridiculous it is, it, it's going to get them off Rika off her back about Mal and mm, it, whatever. It doesn't, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> although the the expedition does seem to satisfy Rika a little bit. She then gives her own speech uh, where she reassures Ashia that the housework and domestic chores he performs for Mal are a kind of support that he should be really proud of. Mm. Uh, and this puts a smile on our boy's face and causes Rika to blush. She goes <laughs> a little bit like a... I don't know how you'd describe it. She's having some feels, maybe. Yeah, yeah why, why wouldn't you? It's a sensitive sensitive guy with a sense of duty and like uh, fully house trained. 
Rika also mentions that like her and her family used to own a small factory. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like a factory of what? <laughs> like, what? What is a a <laughs> yeah, small factory? And like sometimes they had to like all work together in this small factory. I I would like to know yeah. more about this. Child labor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Erika is just very, very, it gets over familiar very easily. And mm-hmm. um, she loves a bit of oversharing, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, it's like just a, just a tiny bit annoying in this moment. She gets a little bit more annoying, I, I find. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that uh, Emmy was trying to uh, avoid her in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> at work. Determined to add Mao to her business network, Rika suggests they go visit him at work as planned. She's basically like, oh, this guy sounds uh, super hardworking, like a good contact to have, so uh, let me meet him or whatever. (laughs) Let me do some networking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gross. At McRonald, Ashia gives Mao his report, telling him (laughs) of SFC's delicious chicken bones and organic coffee. (laughs) Uh, And Mao thinks he's saying... Ogre coffee, I guess. Like <laughs> yeah. coffee made from ogre meat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> like, uh, I guess, uh, or organic. It sounds like uh, ogre. Uh, Does it? Uh, o- organic. And oga. Organic. I see. Niku is meat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is right. Yeah. Organic. <laughs> I didn't yeah. make that connection before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Right. I missed Mr. Uh, Mr. Niku bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> I only heard it when you said it then. <laughs> yeah, he describes the, the chicken at SFC as being so delicious you could also eat the bones. So Emmy, Rika and Susan are now seated in McGronald. Emmy demands Mao bring her another iced coffee. She's on her like second or third coffee, iced coffee. Yeah, she loves those. Um, and uh, an apple pie, which uh, I, I couldn't quite figure out how but it led to a confrontation between him and Rika who really got mad about him being rude I guess he was telling Emmy to come and order at the counter uh, yes and Emmy was just being like no nah, I'm not gonna do that just get it for me yes <laughs> yeah no exactly <laughs> no I like uh, this is um, uh, I was 100% sympathized with uh, with Mao in, in this too, situation yeah. uh, like uh, Rika was just being a, a massive Karen here and so, so was Emmy, actually. And Mao asks them to order at the counter, and they're like, uh, no, bring it to us. And Mao makes the very valid point that even customers should follow certain rules. <laughs> and Rika yeah. finds this really rude. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, she's uh, mad as hell about it. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, uh, Chio shows up to um, uh, alleviate the, the, the situation. Yeah, Mal pretty much calls Rika a busybody. <laughs> um, she is. Yeah, and to Chio, I, don't, I guess Chio heard the order from afar. She like brings the coffee and the apple pie. At this point, Rika really freaks out over how cute Chio is, and like hugs her and squeezes her, and her first knows no bounds as she praises Emmy for having such amazing friends. Uh. Uh, she keeps saying this like, Emmy, you're surrounded by such amazing people. Maybe she's a little jealous. She's like, "Am I an amazing person as well, Emmy?" <laughs> and Emmy's like, "Sure, whatever." <laughs> 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 uh, 
Rika's amazingly annoying. <laughs> I was, Especially I was in this scene. Yes, no, I, I was, I was hoping that like uh, she would be a better character that, that I, they would hit it off. Uh, I was hoping Rika and Emmy would would be friends, and I suppose they are sort of mm. friends in this situation. But this is like entirely predicated on the existence of of Mao and uh, <laughs> this fucking Mao situation that Rika has like exploded in her in her mm. head. I'd I'd love to just see Emmy have some real friends and no one talk about Mao, please. Me too. I don't think it's gonna happen though. That's not the show we're watching, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what follows here is a montage taking place over an really indecipherable period of time for me, anyway, uh, in which Mao tries various methods for promoting McGronald. He tries flyers highlighting the lack of bones in hamburgers <laughs> and uh, letting non-customers use the restroom all to no avail um, and it seemed like this it must be happening over like maybe the course of an hour or something because like Emmy is still there eating and so is like Rika and Susino uh, I, c- I can really tell how much time was passing here uh, I don't know if you, <laughs> you felt the same way if you yeah no well. yeah, it was a, a bit of a, a a funny montage where I like uh, mm-hmm. I, I go through. Uh, I, I like the bit where Chio is like outside flogging hamburgers. <laughs> like he's oh, literally got like a, a tray full of hamburgers, and he's just like, uh, "They don't have bones. You want to try one?" <laughs> yeah, and the guy's like, "Isn't that just normal for?" Her? <laughs> yeah, and all, all that really leads to is uh, her being creep shotted by a bunch of uh, by a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mouse final attempt promoting the restaurant has his colleagues decorating a new bamboo tree for the local festival. Chiho explains to Emmy that he's letting customers write wishes to hang on the tree and giving them free drinks for doing so. She also tells Emmy that Mao has been taking part in community neighborhood cleanups. Emmy is like, what? Mao's doing community service? I don't know why she's surprised at this point by anything he does. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do. The bamboo tree does do the trick. Customers are gathering in their dozens to write wishes, snap pervy photos of Chiho, <laughs> and of course order hamburgers. <laughs> and uh, that's episode nine. Yes, yes, that is that is episode nine. Um, really weird ending there. <laughs> really um, weird. first of all, with uh, Mao engaging in community service like uh it seems to me like just a very transparent move for someone who was uh hiding some shit i i was i was, I was sort of just lost trust in, in in mao completely i feel like he is he's got something up his sleeve like i would like to know what Mao's deal is, and the show remains reticent. I think that's a kind of a kind of a letdown. And also, the influx of customers is Mao using magic here. Yeah, there was a weird moment where there was kind of sound effect and a glowing going on. Yeah, yeah, precisely. There's like this uh, little purple purple haze yeah. uh, all, all, all up on the screen. And, uh, the final shots of the episode is like uh, Susano looking very perturbed. Um, she looks pissed. Yeah, yeah. So I think Mao is like using some some devil magic to uh, bring the customers in. Um, yeah. Just calling back to the the one scene where uh, Mao and his boss are like manning the tills, um, and the boss sort of like excuses herself because she has to go to a meeting. 
And uh, she says to him, use whatever means necessary to defeat SFC. She does, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, she might be aware of uh, Mao's uh, hidden identity. Um, (laughs) Possibly, possibly. Yeah, and it might be revealed in the episodes to come. Let's hope so. I also I wonder if they'll also reveal like how the hell Mickey T knew about all this shit. Yeah, like bring Mickey T back. Like where the yeah, fuck is she at? Her deal. Yeah. Yeah. Idea link or whatever it was. She knew what that that meant. Yeah. Uh, like, bring us uh, Mickey T's Hawaiian vacation. I'll watch that. <laughs> so, uh, what are your thoughts on? episode seven to nine overall yeah i don't like mao i i don't like mao anymore um (laughs) i think uh he's he's, uh taking up way too much space and uh not offering up enough uh content in in return um i I think the the interesting characters the ones that i like the most are are far too preoccupied with uh this guy who is uh, a a bit of a nobody (laughs) i feel like we're learning very little about him and i'm sort of beginning to lose interest um yeah i'm i'm with you there and actually kind of touching on something you said earlier we kind of briefly said how like without the Entei is like a component running alongside what's going on in their lives in Japan. I really don't think this would be that interesting. Like the slice of life stuff isn't that isn't that good. No. <laughs> isn't that compelling. Yeah. Um, so I mean like it, I can I can stand it if it's punctuated with some like alluring mystery or like intrigue. Yeah. Uh, but I think if it didn't have that it would re- really wouldn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. We, we've uh, we're, we're gaining uh, a, a lot um, in terms of characters. Like uh, the, the cast that is uh, uh, surrounding uh, um, Mao is like uh, growing and growing. And Mao is the only one who is like uh, holding something back. And I, I hope they're going to reveal something in the coming episodes, like that'll uh, um, sort of uh, create sort of a finale. Uh, but I get the feeling that that, that won't be the case. Because um, uh, uh, The Devil is a Part-Timer is a series that I'm uh, familiar with uh, having a reputation online as uh, being the kind of series that really needed a second season to like, uh, right. tell its story. That's, that's the, the way that uh, many people responded to it. Um, so, yeah, like uh, let's prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like the vibe that like uh, Mao is creating right now. I'm like, uh, I'm just like, uh, just gradually uh, disliking him and uh, feeling that he isn't uh, uh, the kind of uh, a person I, I want to like uh, place my trust and uh, interest in. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, um, we, we we learn so much more about Emmy. Yeah, what right. little we know about Suzuno is is still like interesting because she's a uh, a new and she might be like a a bit of a, a radical element uh, thrown into the mix. Asia is just like uh is is, is a king <laughs> like uh we, we stand is like as uh as uh is the trust that he places in uh in in Mao is like a, a ceaseless and unwavering 
and uh, that that makes him like uh, admirable and like um and urishihara is a little like uh, a neat uh, time bomb that could like uh, do do anything like uh, be a bit of a wild card like uh, what is keeping urishihara on his leash is uh, the, the question here uh, like so we've got interesting characters but they're all being yeah, held sure. back by this, this one uninteresting dork yeah and like so much of the like i mean the entire plot of the last episode revolved around uh rika being determined to prove once and for all whether or not uh there was something between emmy and mal pretty much the substance of the episode apart from uh, Mal then doing a bunch of like marketing for his restaurant yeah yeah I, I do sort of like enjoy the whole comedy of errors type thing like uh, trying to keep Rika in the dark like Ashia spinning this tale mm-hmm. and like Emmy just uh being uh, more and more uh, fed up and uh, she's like uh, also like a uh, uh, got a growing addiction to uh, energy drinks uh, that is yeah, developing. Yeah. I, I, I like Emmy a lot. I love Emmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think one of, the, one of the... Well, the way I felt after these three episodes is that I, Emmy's probably my favourite character. Uh, I really feel her uh, uh, fed-upness, mm-hmm. her exhaustion. She really does come across, like, despite being quite hot-headed at times, she really comes across like the only person who is sane <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah it's, it's stable she seems uh yeah, she's stable. she seems stable she's not making the best choices for herself yeah. uh but these but this is relatable. yeah yeah exactly it's the sacrifices you have to make when you're like uh living in uh, the the same city as like uh the fucking demon lord that is responsible yeah. for killing your dad <laughs> like yeah. that's uh yeah emmy fucking rocks and then the show like still still manages to produce some laughs for me um yeah, yeah. the um hmm. Yeah, as I've said, there are like uh, some some storylines that I, I I know are not going to wrap up because of uh, the, the the reputation of this anime. But luckily, there's a, a second season uh, upcoming. Yeah, and I I feel like the the presence of Mao, the character of Mao, is sort of like puts the um the, the my readings of this series as an isekai in kind of a a different light. I, I, uh, it's sort of like my overwrought <laughs> ideas about, you know, uh, a gifted child syndrome or like a, <laughs> yeah. a, like a, a, a illustration of the immigrant experience in Japan or maybe like a, a, a bit of a, a, a far reach. I think they might just be going for like um, just the uh, idea of like a normalcy and uh, plainness as sort of a, a desired states. And like mm-hmm. even, even Susano, who's like, in uh, previous episodes, it's like uh, the clear goal of like uh, assassinating like Mao and uh, Emmy ends mm-hmm. up in this world and like is immediately uh, converted. It seems yeah. <laughs> to She's its charms. It, yeah. So it's um, it's a nice, uncomplicated anime with some great characters mm-hmm. uh, being dragged down by one shitty character who is supposed to be the star of the show. Uh, yeah. But we got four episodes to go, so hopefully they can close strong. 
Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think throughout watching this, we've both been kind of saying the same thing about like, I just want a bit more from Mal. <laughs> like, if he's the protagonist, like, shouldn't he have like some semblance of a personality? That's why it kind of he does seem very sus. Uh, yeah. He could totally be up to something. Mm. I hope so. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, fucking let us know in the next next couple of episodes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna get a couple of plugs in uh, while oh, yeah, I read sure. it. Please check out my uh, substack at the eldarscrolls.substack.com. That's a d-l-d-a-r-scrolls.substack.com I write about anime and I also do a um, series on uh, character designs in Grand Blue Fantasy and I will be starting a new series uh, talking about Gunbuster uh, <laughs> which is a, a fantastic anime uh, anime that I enjoy very much and I'm going to be writing about it one episode at a time so you can like uh, sort of uh, watch along and uh, do a little bit of a, a, a deep dive I suppose I also wanted to uh, plug our newly made Twitter page you can find us at uh, at reincarnated pods on Twitter and if you have any uh, questions or uh, comments about the show that we're watching, you can also email us at um, reincarnated full stop podcasters at gmail.com. Yeah, we're looking forward to like nice. uh, hearing some hearing some responses, uh, whether it's about uh, Hamafura or how Mao is a piece of shit jerk. Only <laughs> <laughs> only emails agreeing with us, please. Yeah. <laughs> Next time on Reincarnated as Podcasters, we'll be discussing episodes 10 and 11 of The Devil is a Part-Timer. We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life. See you in the next life. <laughs> <laughs>